the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we ask tough questions. What is that? Where, where does that come from? Challenge commonly held beliefs. Everything to get rid of a pregnancy if she doesn't, doesn't want, want to be pregnant. We laugh a little. <laughs> do that again for the people <laughs> back. Do it. Please don't do it. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health, the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we slice away health truth from health fiction. Join me and my friends as we challenge common health myths via chit chat, powered by several cups of coffee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media and do visit us at asliceofhealth.club. Let's get to today's episode. Welcome, welcome health champions. Welcome back to another episode. On today's episode, we are talking things, womanhood, motherhood, and the variation of our experiences as we begin this journey. Um, our guest today is Tosi Daranijo, and I met her at a bridal shower, you guys. And after this shower, as women do, we sat down and we started talking about our life experiences, we started talking about mental health, and we got into motherhood and the variation in people's postpartum experiences. And I was like, you know what, Tosi, I have to have you on the episode. And she was reluctant, but a few days later, I met her husband at the wedding of the person we were celebrating at the bridal shower. And he was like, you know, I've encouraged her to do it. And I said to him, I was like, you know, she can be anonymous if, if, if she wants to. And he was like, no, no, she needs to use her name and she needs to share this story. And, um, and so today we have Tosin here. So thank you to Tosin and thank you to your amazing husband who has encouraged you to share your story, to bring healing to other people. We are really grateful. Welcome Tosin. Hi, Dami. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so, so much for coming on. So basically, I just want to hear your story and, um, and then perhaps maybe share ideas on how people who have similar experiences can, you know, seek out help or seek out support or how people in the lives of people who are going through a variation of experiences can also be a shoulder for support or, um, you know, an ear, an ear in, in the time of need as well. But before we jump right in, tell us a lot about yourself. Um, okay, so hi. Hello, everyone. My name is Tosi. I'm 30 years old. I'm, I'm, I work as an underwriter in a health insurance company currently in Lagos State. And what else? I have a son that is now two years old, two, two years, six months, yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much me. Um, I had my baby in 2018, yeah, 2018 February. Yes, that's, so that's all about me that I can say for now. So let's start the, let maybe we should even start like just before you got pregnant. Um, what had your views on sort of pregnancy and motherhood been sort of as a single lady before getting married and, you know, and then getting pregnant? Okay, so to be honest, thinking back, I, I don't think I was prepared for it, which is weird because someone recently sent me something like our, my yearbook when I would like my yearbook from QC and my dream that I wrote down then was to be a responsible mother 
which is weird because I remember once saying I don't want to have kids only because someone had shared my auntie was talking about her own experience and I overheard her when she was having a conversation with her friend and I just I just couldn't imagine why anybody would go through so much pain like do you get and then also my cousin had also told me about hers and then while she was having about how she had like an episiotomy in Nigeria and she felt it pain like they didn't give her any form of medical aid when they were doing it so I was like that's horrible so I don't really think I was looking forward to experiencing it like it was even funny because the day I went to pray when I found out I was pregnant how I found I was pregnant I went for one church like a fellowship program and I remember telling God that okay I'm not praying for myself I'm praying for these people for their own pregnancies that God should give it to them and all of that that but when I'm ready I also want this prayer to apply to me too but I'm not ready right now because I really wanted to wait for a year like how we all say we want to wait for a year to enjoy our marriage so yes and then maybe like the month after I found I was pregnant so yeah that's that's like everything and through the pregnancy how how was your pregnancy was it an easy pregnancy did you have any of the you know things that a lot of women complain about in pregnancy was it quite smooth sailing for you so the first trimester was horrible mm. like it was like literally from fry pan to fire like there was trouble every step of the way um okay so when i found out i was pregnant a week i think a week after i almost lost the pregnancy I went for my auntie's child um, naming ceremony and then all of a sudden I just felt very uncomfortable. So I went to the bathroom and then I saw blood, like I saw blood literally. And luckily I went with my parents. So immediately we left the program or rather the event and we went straight to the hospital. Then they told us to go for a scan and checking the scan, they just wrote, they just said it was a threatened abortion. So they put me on bed rest and unfortunately the doctor at the time was very bad with like explaining things. So my husband said I was I remember that day, like I was literally crying that I didn't ask for this pregnancy God. You gave me the pregnancy. Now there's problem with the pregnancy. Like I didn't understand anything, especially because like I said earlier, I wasn't even preparing to have like a child in the first year. Like I wasn't even trying anything. Anyway, so I um was put on I was placed on bed rest for two weeks yeah. which was okay I got tired honestly I didn't stay the two weeks like I went back to work because I was just tired but unfortunately I don't know there was something I experienced that I called weekend phobia so meaning from Friday to Sunday evening I would be terrible like I would not be able to eat I would not be able to stand up like if it, it would feel like if I stood up I would faint or something like I was just feeling very terrible but from Sunday night when I know that okay I, I have to start getting ready for work the next day till Friday when I get back from work I'm perfect like I don't know if any other person has experienced this but that's why I had to call it like a weekend phobia I was never I was always not looking forward to the weekend because I just knew that I was going to be sick all through so yeah but mm -hmm. After my first trimester, oh my Lord, like up to when I even had my baby, it was, I was so active, maybe because I wasn't, it wasn't obvious that I was pregnant. Cause I remember one time I went out with my auntie and then this lady hits me mistakenly, like she didn't even know. 
And then she just turned to look at me and then she now saw that she actually hit my stomach. She was like, she was so apologetic, like she's so sorry. And then she asked me, oh, when are you doing? I was like, oh, in two weeks. She's like, you're due in two weeks. You don't even look like I was so, I was literally very tiny because I weigh, I think I weighed 62 kg when I was about to deliver, like on the day of delivery, I weighed 62 kg. So I was that tiny. How can you weigh 62 kg? I've not weighed 62 kg. Well, like, seriously, I've not. No, I've been tiny. Like, because the day I found out I was pregnant, I was 40. I think I was 47 or 49 kg. You do have quite a slender frame, though, don't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that was how everything went. Okay. Okay. So it, it, it sounds like, you know, your, your pregnancy, you know, you had the, a few of the typical things that happen in pregnancy at the beginning, you know, threatened, threatened miscarriage, a bit of bleeding, um, the morning sickness, the sickness, all of that nausea. And I didn't have it. Funny enough, I didn't have that. I didn't have the morning sickness. No, I didn't. I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I didn't experience that bit of like what other people complain about like the speed thing i literally told god i did not want that like no 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 and then it was funny because i was there's something that they call hyper when you vomit a lot yeah i had that like i was diagnosed with that but it wasn't so bad because i wouldn't lie i enjoyed vomiting as opposed to feeling oscillated in the sense that Whenever I threw up immediately after, like, whenever, immediately after I threw up, I just felt very okay, like, so I was relaxed compared to, like, that nauseation, like, I didn't like that feeling at all. So, yes, I, I, I wasn't, it wasn't as bad, really, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people do say that, actually, like, feeling, the, the feeling of nausea is just so uncomfortable, like, you just, you don't know which way to sit, you don't know which way, you don't know if you mm-hmm. should eat or if you should drink, and then once you vomit, a lot of times you feel a little bit more... Oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's, no, you can keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, went through the pregnancy, you know, carried your pregnancy well, stayed so active, and then it came to delivery. Talk us through your delivery experience. Okay, so that one is, now I can say it's very funny. Um, but then it was not funny. I mean, it was still, it was funny. The delivery was actually okay. Uh, let me start from like two weeks or my last appointment with my gynae when we were trying to decide on like my birthing plans and like medical options that were available. So, you know, epidural and how everybody says, God forbid to epidural because we all want to have that supernatural childbirth experience. Forgetting that you go into the delivery room and you come out alive is as supernatural as it comes. Like, or that even bring forth like life is supernatural anyway so um i've always prayed about i always prayed about like my birthing um process and i knew that i was going to have like a natural delivery i was very confident about that i told everybody that wanted to hear that and eh, that one is natural but epidural i was not sure about it because i just had this conviction in my mind like okay you're going to use it but i was still praying against it so when my gynae asked me about it and said, okay, this is a good um, medical intervention that will help you reduce your pain, like you will not feel the pain at all and all of that, I was like, nah, I don't, need, I don't think I need it. And then she was telling me that one of her patients, the last delivery she had conducted or she had supervised, the, the lady's child um, came out, with, came out like the hand came out first and 
like it was really bad and I was saying no 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 god forbid that would be my portion that's why I'm sure I'm very sure I don't need it and all that my baby would probably be very tiny it would be like poop because I was a tiny baby as well anyways so on the day of the delivery okay so the night before my delivery I even had guests over like while I was in labor but I didn't know that was labor because I woke up that morning in pain and I just took like some pain relievers and I went about my day and you know this thing that they say about nesting is really true because that was the start the start I gave it on a Sunday the day before was the day my baby's um, car seat arrived like that was the last thing on my list to get for like on my shopping list that's the only thing I'd not gotten and that was the day I arrived and I was just laughing anyways that evening I the, the pains the contractions started and, but I didn't know it was contraction because I had guests like I said and when they left so I just started to wash up but I felt like the pain was getting stronger and stronger so I called my friend and then she was like that okay that you need to time it like get the contraction time and I was like where do you get the contraction time I didn't even know that it was an app that you have to download anyways so I downloaded the app and I sat I I remember sitting down because it was not getting stronger and it was literally it was I don't know like you want to pull out your hair like it was crazy but it was not as intense at the time so um I started timing it and I saw that it was still far apart so I just said okay fine you know what let me try and rest I took some more pain relievers just to help me rest um and then I went on Google you know how Google can give you like all the answers you need and you don't really need like yes I went on Google because (laughs) yeah but I went on Google and I was checking to know when it was time for delivery because I was still a week I think a week and some days away from my my EDD my expected delivery date um so what I read that that day was that your mucus plug would come out and yeah, so you know when it's time for like the contraction, maybe your water will break, but neither of the two had happened. So I was just thinking, okay, maybe it's just pain. And because like, sorry to, I have to go back a bit. Two weeks before I had, I lost my grandmother. So I really cried and I, the next day I woke up with like serious pain. So I just thought maybe it was the same pain from what I was feeling from the crying of two weeks. So I just, so that's why I just, decided to take pain reliever and try to sleep but unfortunately the pains now became very intense like I was on the floor my 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 friend had sent me this gym ball that you sit on and so I sat on it thinking it would help me I tried doing squats I tried doing everything like the pains were just very intense and literally I couldn't call my husband because I didn't want him to start getting worried because I mean he was still in Nigeria at the time and I think it was midnight in Nigeria. So I didn't want to wake him up and get him worried. I couldn't, my uncle had, my uncle is a medical doctor, but he had gone to work. So I couldn't call him either. And I know that the hospital had said that if I come in before it was time, that they probably would charge me. And I didn't want all those dramas. So I was like, you know what, let me be sure. Like, Muka's plug has not come out. Um, water has not broken. So definitely, this is just normal pain. I tried enduring this pain. It was crazy. It was literally crazy. But the next day, 
I didn't sleep that night and I called, I had to call my dad when I couldn't take it anymore. And he was just shouting like, I should call my uncle, I should call my auntie, we should go to the hospital regardless. That we should just go, at least let, let us know whatever they will say, then we'll know how to act from that. And I was like, no, 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 let me just wait, I'm sure I can take it. And it was and it was so funny because he was like, Tosi, where you get to that hospital? If they should recommend epidural, take it. And I'm like, daddy, uh-uh. aren't you a pastor? Like, what happened to supernatural childbirth? And he's like, Tosi, no, 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 take it. It's God that gave man the wisdom to actually create this thing. Like, so take it. And I was like, okay, when I get there, I will decide. So I'm getting to the hospital because I had to call my uncle when I couldn't take it anymore. So he came to pick me and then we went to the hospital. When we got to the hospital, they asked me some questions, asked me how far apart my, my, um, contractions were and by that time my mucus plug had come out so I knew that okay it was time or it was about time more like so we when we got there um I remember the the birthing nurse I had she was already advising me that okay since it's because of my first pregnancy it's going to take a long time before it will actually be time so they might probably send me back home so when she checked me I was just one centimeter dilated so she's like, okay, she's just going to keep me here for an hour to monitor me because I was dehydrated. But after an hour, she's very sure she's going to send me back home. And then I got into it with my God. And I was like, um, God, I'm not going back home. Like, I can't go back home with this pain. Like, so whatever you're going to do to, for them to actually admit me today, you better start doing it. Then I drank water and I literally slept. When I woke up, she came to check me and I think that was the one thing I hated about the whole delivery process, that check-in yeah. bit. Like, oh no, my gynae can tell you, I ran away the first two times she wanted to check me. Like, I didn't show. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, I did not show up. Like, how will you put your thing, your hand in? Mm-mm. No, 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 no. So when she told me, when she first checked me, I was just like, no, nah, I can't do this anymore. So when she came to check me the other time, the second time, an hour after she had checked me, I was now four centimeters dilated, literally, and she didn't understand how it was that fast. So immediately they had to check me in and put me on all the, and set up everything they needed to set up and monitor like the contractions. I remember one contraction I had, like I was unconscious, but it woke me up. Like I wasn't seeing clearly, like I was just seeing double, like, and my auntie was sleeping and I was like, what is this? And when it went, I literally slept back after. So yes, and I think my water never broke. They had to break it. Mm. But the only reason why I took the epidural, which I'm grateful for, was because the, the nurse had told me that she wanted to come back and check me again. And at that point, I was like, you know what? Where is the anesthesiologist? Like, is it available? Like, I didn't want to feel it anymore. And she was like, oh, yeah, you can still get it. But I should let her check me first. I'm like, no, get him first. So she got him and he set up everything. And then when he was in, she now said she wanted to check me. I was like, oh, feel free. <laughs> like, do your thing. After, I'm not going to feel it. So do your thing. So when she checked me, I was already seven centimeters dilated. So she knew she had to call the doctor so to come because any minute from then I would I would be ready. So when the doctor came, they broke my um, what's it called water. my water sack, and yeah, 
the she then directed me on when to push like the waiting for the strong contractions and when the strong contraction came she told me to push but unfortunately i had a very active baby from when he was coming and yeah what i had said i was not going to happen even happened to me my baby came out with his two hands first by his ears so you can imagine the hands by the head alone is enough to tear you so imagine with hands by the head by their heads by their and what's called by their ears and so they had to literally pull him out and in the pulling process he literally tore me from like my vagina to my like up and down so to my perineal almost to my yeah down part and then up to like above my vagina towards like the clitoris side which was really messy because when the doctor saw it, she was like, oh, Lua, toasting, what is this? It took her two hours to stitch me up. Like I could feel her pulling. Like the, my baby came around 4.30. She didn't finish until like past six. And it was just sewing up like the vagina area. Yeah, so that was pretty much my delivery story. Wow. I'm actually, I'm clenching. Like I'm, li- like, I'm literally clenching just listening to that. Because that that is a lot of trauma uh-huh. in delivery. And, um, and some people will say, oh, yeah, you had the epidural. So you might not have been able to feel it. But actually, just even the awareness that somebody is stitching you up for that long is you know and even and you know the thing is as well with episiotomies which for people who don't know an episiotomy is a tear that you know happens a cut that happens during pregnancy to try to open up the vaginal canal so that a baby can come through but then a tear is when it happens without any direction because what the cut does is that it allows it to open up in a healthy way and then you can stitch it back up because it's a nice knit cut by a knife but when the baby tears it it literally tears like you just open your hand literally let me i think the best explanation is you have a sheet of paper and episiotomy is you taking a, a scissor a, a pair of scissors and cutting right through but you know a tear is literally you just tearing it and just mm-hmm. it you can imagine what the journey of that paper is like and that's literally what happens to the vagina and then trying to stitch back a tear is so much different from stitching back an episiotomy and two hours to say what was going through your mind as she was teaching you back up? To be honest, I think I was just grateful that at that point, I think I was very grateful that I had taken the epidural because she wouldn't have been able to give me any medical aid at that point. Like, so meaning I would have to feel everything. Like, I, I didn't even want to think about like what I would have been going through, like the pain and everything because you know when you already have an epidural, you cannot feel like the lower part of your body. But you know when you're now feeling someone pull, like, like you can feel them pull because as she was pulling the upper part of like the, I think the abdomen, I'm not sure. Like basically, because she was trying to stitch me. Like I could feel, I could actually feel like my body, my upper part of my, the upper part of my body moving. So I didn't want to imagine the pain, but I didn't even know what was about to happen to me. Like, Anyways, I could not I could not imagine what was going on to be honest. Like all I just wanted was to sleep. Yeah. Because I was literally tired at that point in time. Like I just wanted to sleep. Yeah. And normally when we when we do deliveries and you know baby's healthy <clears throat> and mommy's healthy, we normally try to put the you know skin on skin straight away. Were you able to have that contact immediately? 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. They did that immediately when they brought my baby out. Yes. Um, but after that, I think they had to go and clean him up. And then I think they gave him like a shot or something. I'm not sure. But they, they couldn't make me do it for long because they had to stitch me up. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what I was trying to get to in terms of that. Also, that comfort for you and the baby immediately after the delivery, you know, there's this bonding time that you're, you're able to get immediately. But then when there's so much trauma around it, it's like, let's sort out the trauma, let's sort out mm. the trauma. And then we, we move away from this emotional connection that we're trying to build as quickly as possible. So they stitched you up. How many days after were you able to go home? I think two days it was only because my baby did not want to eat. So he had not peed for the first two days. So because of that, um, they refused to discharge me. And that actually added to my problem because I was, in fact, I was a mess. Like nobody prepared me for that part. Like the possibility of your newborn not peeing and how, why it's very important that they pee. Like I, I understood that yes, to be sure that all his organs were working like rightly and all of that. but being lonely in the hospital at the time and feeling pains, like, cause the epidural had worn out. It had already played its part. I was now on pain meds, like, and I was being pumped on pain meds. And I had a baby that was not, like, I just wanted to go home. Cause I felt very lonely in the hospital, to be honest. Like, so I just wanted to go home where I could see people. But unfortunately, he didn't pee so they had to keep me there for like another night but the day he peed like i literally went to go and look for the nurse that please come he has peed <laughs> like you really come and see he has peed so when he peed they then discharged us yeah, yeah okay, okay and so all of this birthing experience as well it didn't happen at home in nigeria today where were you where were you, were you in Yes, I was in the US. And at what point was your husband able to then finally come? Because it doesn't sound like he was with you in the delivery. No. Okay, so I gave birth on a Sunday. I think he came on a thir- on the Thursday after. Yeah, Thursday of that week. I think that was when he came. So talk us through... So obviously you've had this huge trauma. And you know, I think that is something that we've started noticing as well in medicine, that post-traumatic stress is not just for people who went to war, like, you know, people who have served in Iraq or Vietnam or anything. It is anything that is traumatic. And we are seeing now a lot of that after childbirth for a lot of women, a, a, a lot more. So talk us through your postpartum experience. So you've had this trauma in, in delivery. You were alone. You know, your husband wasn't in the country. He wasn't, you know, in the hospital. You get back home with your baby who refused to pee but now has peed. Whoop. What what happened then? What 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 is that process like after? So it it was crazier when I went home because I didn't realize that the drugs they were giving me in the hospital was actually reducing or blocking the pain compared to when I went home because they had given me like drugs that I was supposed to use so no before I left they came to ask me like okay on a scale of one to ten how painful how are your pains basically and I think I said like a five because I mean I was on pain meds and I didn't think I didn't know that it was actually going to be like a 15 and uh so when I got home that day I didn't use the drugs because I was still very fine or I thought I was fine but when the drugs had now worn out, oh my God, 
it was crazy like i felt like i was carrying blocks like under me like i don't know how to explain like not just blocks like it was it was crazy pain because i had to now look for like i was looking for like tylenol but i was not looking for like the normal tylenol i needed like strong tylenol like and i think i was just taking everything so i didn't even care like the effects on like because i was breastfeeding i was going to breastfeed my child but i didn't care because that pain it was crazy like i'd never felt pain like that i never even knew that anyone could feel pain like that like and just be allowed to go home like and then that night my baby that had been sleeping so well all of a sudden when we got home now decided not to sleep that night and i was just like god like i literally just wanted to rest like you know when how rest will help your mind like help your but calm you down i just wanted to rest he refused to sleep like i was i had to bring him from his crib to my bed and like, please just sleep, like, just sleep, please, mommy needs to sleep, and he refused, literally, so I didn't sleep that night, the next morning, I then realized that I should just go and wash his um, pacifier, so that if he's, like, if he seems like he wants to suck, but I know that he doesn't want to suck, I just can just put it in his mouth, and then that day, I remember vividly, like, I put I put I think I was sterilizing it and I literally just slept off with my baby on me like he could have fallen off like but that was how tired I was like until it was when I heard the alarm that I actually realized that we had slept like we I slept off so I just went to put everything off and yeah so it was crazy and uh, because my husband was not there when I had to do like his my baby's birth certificate, like go to the county to go and collect it. Oh my Lord, that was crazy because yeah, I couldn't walk well. So you know when you're walking and you're feeling bubbles come out, like, so you you cannot walk, like I couldn't walk literally. So when I walk, I open my legs and squat, then close my legs, open it. That's how I was walking because that's the only way I could feel like relieved. I couldn't pee because when you pee, it's crazy. So when I pee, I had like, even hot water bottle to like spray just so that if I'm pain, the pain is reduced. You know how water can calm like pain. So I would spray the hot water bottle. And when I'm done peeing, I had like, in fact, going out was a mess because I had like things I had to take out with me. So every time, like every 10 minutes or every 15 minutes, I'll go to the um, bathroom and spray with the demo blast spray like it was a cooling spray then i had this um perennial um balm that will also cool it down for me because i couldn't i couldn't sit without like support i couldn't walk without like squatting and which was very embarrassing because you're going and people are wondering like what's wrong with you like yeah but my husband knew every he understood everything and yeah like it was just it was just very messy and very painful and i remember there was one time that I was looking at my son and I was just looking in my head. I think I was just thinking that you are just the cause of this pain. Like, I didn't even ask for you. Like, why? And then you see the baby sleeping. I am like, why are you sleeping? Like, you're not letting me sleep. Are you sleeping? And then that day I was crying and I was just looking at him. I didn't know my husband was watching. And he just came and I was like, Olatone, please carry this baby. He just carried him. Like, he just collected him from me. And like, it was, and, it was, and then, because I was taught, I stood up and I walked to the bathroom and I shut the door. And I went in there and I was just crying. And he knew. So he came in to meet me because luckily my mom, my parents had come. So he gave the baby to my, my mom. And then he came to me in the bathroom and was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, 
don't worry. I know that your own is different. Like I know that the pain, I understand that you're feeling pain and everything. And I will not lie, like he was super helpful because in as much as from the day he came, there was no nice meeting arrangement like, oh, this is your child. Like, yeah, it was just take your baby. Mm-hmm. And I went upstairs. Like there was so much pain around the whole period like there was no connection I didn't even want to connect because it felt like I'm in pain I'm seeing who is going to remind me of the pain but I didn't want to actually blame the baby for the pain because it was not his fault also like yeah so there were so many things and then so many emotions going on at the same time like I don't know I couldn't explain it like I didn't even understand everything that was going on but yeah yeah pretty much Wow, so sad. Wow, and then so all of that happened, and you know you're in so much pain, you're in agony. You've not been discharged with adequate pain meds, and you know this is something that I like. I'm sure, I'm, and dear listeners, health champions, I'm sure you guys are gonna be like, damn, is going on on a she's like a broken record with this thing. But Tosin, you don't understand, pain and black women is something that. I've been talking about on this podcast for quite a while now. And the way we are treated when it comes to pain, we're not given adequate pain relief in delivery, after delivery, when we're going with sickle cell crisis, for anything. There's just this whole thing of, oh, you're a black woman and you're strong. And I'm sure you can deal with it better. And so oftentimes we're giving less painkillers than a Caucasian woman who has reported the exact same kind of pain, the exact same kind of pain. And so for you to be having to take Tylenol at home because you're trying to reach out for pain relief after recent discharge, following the kind of tear that you had, suggests that they definitely did not give you enough painkillers in, in, in the hospital, you know? And it's just like, oh gosh, I, I can't even imagine. Like, I can't imagine what you would have been feeling physically and then also the trauma and then obviously having a new baby, having to feed the baby and you were breastfeeding as well. It's just, it is, it's definitely, it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. that you had to deal with. It's a lot that you had to deal with. But then coming back, let's now go into going forward. So, you know, your husband has come and I'm sure he couldn't stay very long because he had to go back to Nigeria to work, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. So how long was he able to stay with you for in the U.S.? I think two weeks. Yeah, he stayed for two weeks. Yeah. I remember when he was leaving, I was crying. Like, no. Like, me alone again. Like, because my baby's um, passport had not yet come out. Like, so I had to wait. Like, and it was so funny because (laughs) the frustration, my God. Like, I'm sure the home office was tired of me. I will call them in the middle of the night. Like, I I now got tired of even staying in America. Like, I just want to go back home. Because, you know, Nigeria like there's so many people that will come and help you take care of your baby like so you can rest so I just wanted to leave America like I will call them morning afternoon and night I paid for expectation like how many times I was frustrated like I'd called like the airline company that I'd already booked so I kept on changing um his own um what's it called return date like I kept on changing I returned it like oh my lord it was it was it was crazy but to be honest, because I couldn't even imagine, I, I can't even imagine someone telling me their own experience. Like if it were like, I, if someone else were 
perhaps me telling me this i'll just be like are you sh- am i sure i want to have a baby like i was seriously scarred because even like going to have your bath like going to have my bath so i will go with my baby's um seat i'll put my baby on his seat and bring him to the bathroom like i there was no me time anymore like even when i needed to go get drugs because to be honest when i went back to the Guyani for checkup that week she had to tell my husband that see that what i went through was worse than having a cs done that so he's going to have to be very patient so she gave me like drugs but some of them were still not helpful some actually worked because she had to even put me on some pain relievers with codeine like it was i didn't even think there were there was anything like that but it was she had to give me like very strong meds and there was a time that my husband had gone yeah i remember when the stitches were healing and sorry is this is going to be like very graphic so the stitches were healing so you know the end of the stitch i could now feel it in my vagina touching like the flesh like so when i sit i will feel something internally poking and it was so sharp like it was so bad because i didn't i couldn't even do anything like i now looked for a way to start pulling it out like i wanted to yeah it was sometimes when you're feeling pain you are not thinking clearly like honestly when you're feeling pain so bad like that you have no control over yourself you will just do the thing that comes to your mind that seems like a solution to it and so at that point in time the solution was since he's poking me because i tried using a scissor a pair of scissors like putting it in my i didn't care i tried putting a pair of scissors in my vagina to cut it but that didn't work. So I, and someone now suggested pulling it out. Like maybe since it's already healing, like you can pull it out. Like I pulled it out, I saw blood coming out. Literally, when I saw that, okay, I couldn't do it anymore. The next day, I went to my gynecologist. Um, um, what's it called? Her practice immediately. Like, I just told her I didn't care if I didn't have an appointment. I was like, you know what? This thing you have to take it out today. So luckily, she was free, so she helped me cut it out, and that was the relief. Like, I, I, there were so many things. Like, there was so I don't know. There were so many series of like new pain. Like there there was pain every day in different forms and at different points like you can be standing and then something is going to come like so there was no particular way to actually will i say maybe sit down like if you're sitting down i couldn't sit for too long and even when i sat like i had to sit down like on pillows because i couldn't the, the, the mattress alone of the bed was not enough for me like to relieve me then even when you're standing like there's a particular way i had to stand like like i said walking what if i was walking i would walk and like open my legs and squat then stand up again walk open my legs and squat but that was the only way because at that when I was like that I couldn't feel like like you know when your your ties you know when your ties when you're sitting down your ties are your legs are closed like you know everything so you're feeling everything at that point so I had to like let air I don't even know it was just very messy to be honest wow Wow. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, 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 don't say sorry. You know, these are the things that you know we experience, and you know, in health and things. And what you said about pain is so true. And when you are in the middle of, of a really bad episode of pain, your ability to process information really reduces. Mm-hmm. And your instinct—it's flight or fight. Your instinct is okay. If I can't run away from this pain, I need to fight it. And so, what can I do? I need to remove the thing that is causing me the trauma. And when you are in the middle of pain, your ability to think that actually this thing that I'm pulling or putting a scissors up there 
that might cause damage or, but you don't you don't think about it in that moment it's like no it needs to come out um mm-hmm. and, and 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 you know that 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 experience wow so after that you then come back to nigeria with your baby what is it like when you get back to nigeria from coming back let me start from the flight back that was crazy because like i said i couldn't sit Mm. so i still couldn't sit very well but luckily the flight attendant was able to give me like pillows so i sat on pillows but that wasn't comfortable enough because i mean america to nigeria is like how many hours and there was a stop there was a layover at some point but it still it was still a long journey and then you have to constantly stand up and perhaps like if your baby poops, you take him to the um, bathroom to change him and all of, and, and then if I want to pee as well, like every, my entire kids, let me put, use that word, the kid, the spray, the, um, what's it called? The water, the um, spray bottle, the, the, the cooling spray, the, the balm, the gel. And I had like some, what's it called, perennial pads as well that I would like. So everything had to go with me. So I'm going to the bathroom. I'm carrying a, a bag of things every time. Like it was very embarrassing, to be honest. And then it was very uncomfortable. But luckily, someone had told me to give my baby Tylenol so that he would sleep well. So he was actually very, I think God just blessed me on that trip. So he actually did sleep well. So I was able to rest myself, but it was just the discomfort from like the seating. So sometimes I would have to stand up and even standing itself was painful. So it was, it was just something I had to endure. But when I got back home, that was very helpful. No, let me start. My mother-in-law was very helpful in the sense that the moment, because when, my, when I got home, my husband had told her everything that happened. So she was like, you know what, give me the baby. So all she just required of me was just pump his milk and sleep, like literally leave him with me. So I was sleeping, like the sleep I'd not had in like days or weeks. I was literally sleeping and it was so good because I wasn't bothered to an extent, but at the same time, you know, when you... And okay, so I must say that I had like, I was, I had this experience or this pain for like the end, for the first six weeks, like literally for six weeks. So, and also I was bleeding. Mm -hmm. So my period came back, like the moment, the sixth week after delivery, my, my, I had like heavy flow for like maybe a week or two weeks, like, and then, yeah, so it was everything together at the same time like so there were no breaks in between so coming back home and being able to sleep was just very relieving so having someone to just watch over my baby because I remember one time he was being very fussy and she had to back him literally and she was tired herself but she was like you know just just go and sleep but yeah the mental state is another problem because in as much as she was being helpful, I still wanted to be in my own house because you know how your house, your space just, I don't know, it's some form of like mental sanity, stability for you to an extent. Like, you know how you get, you are okay when you're in your space, like you're yourself when you're in your space. So I wanted that. But yeah, parents too can be stubborn, if I may say, like just in case she listens to me, <laughs> like I love her, but yeah. So like, yes we love you for everything you do but like yeah but i understand that because they don't really get it you know it's a different thing like 
I don't know. I, w- I don't want to say Nigerians. I just would say people. I would generalize and say people do not understand what you go through because perhaps they have not had similar experiences. So they are not in your head to understand what you are dealing with, especially when we don't talk. Because a lot of times you are just giving a very strong look, but there are so many battles going on internally. Like yeah, so for me that was the case. So I really could not talk. Like the plan was I would stay with my mother-in-law for like the first week after returning. But the first week now became two weeks. And I think I stayed there for like three weeks or something. I remember calling my husband like, you know what? If you don't come and pick me, I'm leaving. Like I am leaving. Like, yes, I'm grateful. It was not that I was trying to be ungrateful because I did appreciate everything she did, but I just needed my own space. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so one night he came to pick me up. We left my baby with them and... I drove, he just drove me back to the house and I came upstairs and it was like I was in heaven, like turning on the lights, oh, the living area, like everything. It was, it was, it was, I don't know, it was very therapeutic. Like, I don't know how to put it because I was now okay to go back to my mother-in-law's place. Like, okay, I was okay to actually ma- stay in her place. Like, cause that had done a lot of things to me, like being in my space, seeing everything, like, coming to my room, seeing my bed, like, I don't know, but that did help. It helped me a lot, to be honest. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you get back home, you're back in your own space. And what is that like being back at home with the baby in your own house? But just going back, how long were you with your your mother-in-law for? I think maybe three weeks or almost three weeks. I'm not, I'm not sure to be honest. I can't remember. So at least that time there gave you space for your body to just rest, mm-hmm. at least physically in terms of somebody taking the baby, you not having to be alert all the time, just being mm-hmm. able to eat when you wanted to eat when you wanted to. So you had a little bit of time physically and then you go back, yeah. go back home. What's it then like when it's just you, the husband and the baby? Hmm. Yeah. and then waking up at night like that was crazy because I to be honest I actually now pity my husband because I would say then I didn't see what I was doing as being selfish but I did it regardless because yeah I was reacting from a place of pain and not being stable emotionally at the time so yeah you know he would go to work and when he comes back I'm handing over his baby to him like okay it's your turn and if I wake up in the middle of night and I see him sleeping, I wouldn't wake him up. I'll just step on him when I'm going to reach out for, to my baby. Like, so he had to wake up. I know that, yes, now it sounds funny, but it was very selfish of me then because he would go to work and he never complained because, yeah, he knew that, okay, this is not me. And uh, he knew, he understood. But at the same time, I mean, he would go to work Nine, um, eight o'clock to what time to maybe six and when he gets back I will look at like a mess and then I'll just hand off like give him the baby like okay take and I'm going to do other things and he wouldn't complain literally middle of the night if I have to wake up he has to wake up and he won't complain like he was so accommodating of all my nonsense like honestly because it was just it, now thinking about it, it was very selfish of me but then I was reacting, do you understand, to everything because in my head I'm thinking after you were the one that gave me this baby. So yeah, you need to play your own part. Wow, wow. Okay. 
And how long did that last for, that, that sort of episode of you, obviously you're going through your own, you know, and him being, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I'll take the baby. Yes, I'll wake up. How long, how long, <clears throat> excuse me, how long did that last for? Last year. Thank you. Uh, I think almost a month. And then how do you feel, what about your, your own parents? What, what were they like during this period? Okay, so for my parents, my dad was, my dad has always been amazing, to mm. be honest. So he, I remember one time he made a statement when I was complaining. This was before they came to me, because like I said, they came to meet me in America as well. So before coming to America, he had called me one day and I was crying and I was complaining. And then he now, he now said, Tosi, those are the joys of brotherhood. Oh my Lord. I literally flipped. I'm like, what kind of joy do you experience in pain? Like, how, how, is, that, how is that joy? Like, I'm sure he, he, he literally did not, he didn't understand where this was coming from. He had to start apologizing. Like, Tosi, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that I made that statement. Maybe this is the wrong context. Like, I was very mad at that statement. Like, what kind, like, when they say joys of motherhood, like, I don't understand that statement right now. Like, all I'm feeling is pains. I'm not even emotionally trying to bond or have any connection with my baby right now because it's just pain. Do you understand? Like, so what is the joy right now that I'm supposed to be feeling? And he was so apologetic. Uh, For my mom, my mom was very helpful, but I would say that, there were some areas that I did not agree with her advices or her suggestions in sense that because my mom had us in Nigeria. And so she said that when she had us like talking about like the sit bath. So she advised me to do like a sit bath that it would help me. Do you get healed? But what she told me to do, I did not understand how I was supposed to do it because when she told me about sit bath, I, I was, I was still in the hospital then. So I went to ask the nurse for the sit bath and then they gave it to me, the bowl. So they gave it to me and then the instructions were use warm water. Like don't use hot water, use warm water. But my mother told me to use <laughs> boiling hot water that because it's this team. And this was what she was told when she had me in loose also like you are like, i can imagine you <laughs> but yes like so we would fight over it like how am i supposed to because you are feeling pains and then they're telling you that it's the heat that's supposed to help you heal and it was just painful i couldn't sit down on that thing like i I could not. And so she will fight with me that this is how you're supposed to heal faster and all of that. And I'm like, this is horrible. Like, how do you want me to sit down on boiling hot water? Like, literally just from the kettle to the bowl and you're supposed to sit down immediately. Like, that's where you're supposed to... <laughs> that you're a doctor. You're not supposed <laughs> to have is, this. That is why I know that this is... Like, this is not... This does not work. That is, that is why I... Because... But guess what? That is what they are telling people. Do you get... Oh, boiling water to a raw wound that is healing with stitches that is because in their own knowledge or the, the extent of their knowledge is the fact that this team would so also beyond even the wound 
I think the idea behind it was the fact that this team was supposed to get all the dirt that are left in this, I don't know, like to help you remove like the dry blood or whatever that was still there, bring everything out while also healing the wound. So there was that part that we're always fighting about. Like, so we literally fight and I'm like, no, I'm not doing this thing. Or if, if, if I don't want to fight, then if I do not want to fight with her, I will just sit down, maybe on the bathtub while I'm waiting for the water to cool off a bit. So in her head, I'm sitting down on it. Like, well, I know I wasn't sitting, I wasn't doing it. Then she will now say that that's why it's not healing and all of that. But I was just... I was tired of fighting everybody because I was fighting myself. I was fighting God. I couldn't now, I didn't have strength to fight someone else again. Like, so I was just keeping quiet and doing as I pleased, to be honest. So yes, but my, my, another thing, I think another problem we had was when we came back home, this was, this was another issue we had. Like, you know, when you allow your parents make decisions for you. And so it seemed like, we were not allowed to make our own decisions ourselves. Like, so my initial plan was the moment I get back, I would get like a nanny. But then parents are like, no, they don't want any stranger come take care of their child. They just want that one, but they weren't coming themselves. So it was very, it was very, it was very difficult for me because, you know, they will not start telling you that when your baby is sleeping, you to sleep. Like, I don't understand. When am I supposed to eat? How am I supposed to make my food? Like, hello, won't I take a bath? Like, all those things, like, it did not just make any sense, to be honest. So those were part of the problems I faced. And I think my husband got tired because, like I said, when he gets back home, I would then hand the baby over to him and go and rest or something. So he said, you know what? He called an agent and we got a nanny. And it's like, whenever they come, if they meet the nanny, they meet the nanny. We're not asking permissions. We're not asking for their opinions. We're just doing what we need to do for our own selves. And that's what we did. And that was so helpful because I could now sleep literally. Like I could, I didn't mind. So then I didn't, I didn't now mind actually taking care of my baby because I was more rested. Do you get, so waking up at night, I wouldn't even mind if my husband did not wake up. Do you get, because I was more relaxed because I had help. My nanny was not a living nanny. She was just a daily nanny. But that was still fine, regardless, because I mean, just being able to make good food to eat, like not just running to like cereal all the time, it was it was very helpful for me, and it was also very helpful for my own mental state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is amazing, and I'm really glad that you just ended that on the word mental state, because I think that is that is sort of the overarching thing in the whole you know in the whole journey in terms of. The trauma triggers something, but if we don't yeah. do something in the middle really quickly to address how you're feeling and how you're processing how you're feeling and how that is then being projected to lots of different people. Because, I mean, I know that sometimes, you know, we talk about, oh, you have a good man and we overemphasize that sometimes as though, oh, well, why wouldn't he be a good man? But actually, there are some people that would not have been able to cope or would not, you know, you know, so you actually did have a, a good, a good supportive partner in, in, yeah. in terms of him recognizing that this is a patch and I will just do my part as we're mm-hmm. going, we're going through this. Now, two things in terms of psychological support professionally, 
were you able to, did anybody offer you any support, tell you about any sort of services or anybody that you could talk to professionally, like a trained counselor, therapist, psychologist, doctor that you could just share your, your, your emotions with? So honestly, no. And I was recently thinking about it when something, there was something that happened, um, what's it called? There was something that happened. I think there was a post on Instagram that I saw about a lady that, um, sorry to say, but it was very, it was very, it was very crazy. So she, she had, I think she had like postpartum psychosis and she had been looking for ways to end her baby's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, she then, I think she tried drowning her baby the first time. It didn't work. Then she now turned her baby upside down and put her baby in a drum of water. She, her baby was lifeless and dead. And and people had so many reactions like, no, this woman should be, this woman should be arrested. This man is mad. I was like, you guys, what are you all seeing? Because I was there at I was there at some point in the peak when I was at the peak of the pain. I remember one time. I was I was consciously fighting postpartum depression to be honest because I remember one time I think my baby was crying and I was tired and I, I was he was beside the pillow and you know how the devil works because all I was thinking was oh I felt in my spirit that you know you can just put this pillow over him and that'll be the end of your problem and uh, but no I did not do that thank God for that but I'm just saying but so when seeing people react that way I was very upset. Because I was, I could, in as much as she did something wrong, I didn't go that extreme, like I didn't go that far, but I, I felt bad for her because I understood what she had gone through, like when, especially because perhaps she did not even have like support that I had in my husband, I was very upset. And I actually thought about it then that why don't Nigerians, like why don't within the medical space, like why don't we have like people that when you know that someone has a very crazy delivery process or pregnancy experience, like why don't they recommend them to see some, like see further counsel, like someone to talk to because even talking can actually help you. I remember when I had my baby and my best friend just asked me, how are you? It was, how are you? She asked me and I literally started crying. Like I did not know I was holding so many things like to be in me. Like I didn't know I was holding a lot of things inside of me. Like I literally started crying and then she gave me the opportunity to cry because I needed to cry to let a, a lot of steam out of me. Like, so people are very quick to judge without even providing solution, even medically. Like, I feel like it's very necessary for people to actually, like, even if you have a good pregnancy or delivery experience, still seek help because you do not know when you have that flood of emotions, really. Like, so that provision, that part should actually be made available, to be honest. Yeah, Definitely. I absolutely agree with you. And I think, you know, we were talking about it earlier in terms of, you know, when I was saying about post, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, and it, it really does happen mm-hmm. in, in pregnancy, post, you know, post, post, postpartum. And, you know, yeah. issue, I think it was in, it happened in Nigeria, didn't it? <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. I think it was in punching the paper that day. And it, it was really widespread. And I remember at the time, looking at the lady when we were talking to her and getting information i was like we know remorse right no i was this lady had it's very clear that she was having a psychotic episode yes and she was you know her own consciousness was not also present and she yeah, she didn't know what she was saying or what had even happened like 
psychiatrists, not not journalists. She didn't need the press. She didn't need um, social media. She needed a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. She needed a psychologist. She needed medication for her mental state. That is what she yeah. needed. Not more fingers, not culture judging her. And I think that is something that we really need to start addressing because people go mm-hmm. so much. People yeah. go so much. And we are not we're not good at picking it up that somebody's struggling. And mm-hmm. then when we pick up that somebody's struggling, we then blame all this or that or it's her. Yeah. Spirit. Or it's something this. But actually, get her if you get her the right doctor, if you get her the right psychologist, if you get her the right counselor get her an opportunity to sit down and talk about everything and let's try to help mm-hmm. in of all these castigation it, it goes it goes such a long way they're and- very quick to lay claim on maybe like the reason or the causes or i don't know like without even understanding the root cause of the problem like it's, it's terrible though it's very terrible because a lot of problems can actually be solved just by recommending like help or counsel like a lot of postpartum problems i feel like postpartum depression honestly because even the people that are affected by it, like the, the the mothers themselves do not understand what they are going through because there is no textbook that explains how it will come or what you would experience even two people can may not even have the same experience like it comes in different forms and I think what got me very upset because I remember then I now started calling all my friends that had like babies and I was like you people did not do me good because you should have told me to prepare for this like I was very angry especially with one of my friends that had recommended my hospital she then told me that oh she had a because I had a I had a third degree tier she had a fourth degree tier and even when she resumed back at the office, she couldn't sit down. So I was like, and then this was the person that was telling me that, oh, don't take it. I'm like, why would you not just be real with me? Like, for crying out loud, you're even a nurse. I do not have any medical experience. Like, you could have just prepared me for the worst case scenario. Because I did not know that there was anything such as tear. I mean, I knew of episiotomy, but I did not know the degrees to tear. Do you get? So, like, it was very crazy. I just wish that more people had like conversations about all these things as opposed to like supernatural. Like that word annoys me, even though it's, I'm sorry, but it does annoy me because every time you see a, like when then, when I'll be reading, like I literally read almost every blog I could find and you would see people come. And I think it's the, I think it's the African setting and our level of awareness for exposure to all these things because everybody wants like a story that oh every and then you know how they'll say that the hebrew women birth that you wake up and see your baby beside you i was always asking that story that's yes i don't want like i don't understand how i will sleep and wake up and my baby will be beside me and it's not that you had to operate on me like so many things that were just not adding up i'm sorry you're laughing i'm serious (laughs) what you're saying is so true and I think the, and I, you know, I think sometimes culturally as well, we, we, we laugh in the face of things that are actually our trauma. Because, yeah. Because the thing is, supernatural childbirth, you know, and regardless of anybody's religious affiliation, whatever it is, the thing is, at the end of the day, what we're trying to get is a healthy mom and a healthy baby. Yes. However you get to that point, it is your choice. 
what we want is a healthy mom and a healthy baby. So when people go on and they start talking about how bad a cesarean section is or how, how you know, cesarean is not, is not this or how you should never have any pain relief in, in childbirth or how an epidural is wrong or even gas and air is wrong and all these things, I, 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 I personally feel is a lot of ignorance because I just feel like, look, if, you know, if somebody doesn't have an epidural, if somebody knows what her pain is like, she doesn't have an epidural, she has the kind of tear that you had, which was a third degree tear, or she has a fourth degree tear that actually tears through her perineal body into her anus. You know, what happens then? And, and she feels the tear, and then she feels the stitch, you know, all those kind of things. What happens after that? Because you can't tell me that she's going to go through that experience, and then after, she's not going to have any kind of trauma. She's not going to have any kind of mm-hmm. you know, bounce back from what has happened. And that affects her health. And so we need to stop separating the emotional and mental state from the physical and mental state. Everything comes in together. So what we want is yeah. a mom in mind and body and a healthy baby as well. And, you know, and so what you're saying is, is absolutely true because, and I, me, I'm always ready to fight culture on a lot of things. <laughs> Honestly, something happened recently. I had like a friend that was due. So I was in, in her room and she was, I could see that she was in so much pain. And I was like, you know what? How about we call the doctor to give you um, an epidural? And then her sister flipped. And she was like, eh, please keep your American way of delivery to yourself. She's going to give birth the normal way. And I was like, wow. I'm sorry, I did not know I had an abnormal delivery process like like so you could see that we're still very ignorant like culture has made us very ignorant and it's very sad to be honest because we lose a lot of people to because of ignorance like i can i can't even imagine the number of lives that have been lost to ignorance at the point of delivery things that could have been avoided we allow other people call, like, dictate how it should go for us. Like, I kept quiet, and I was like, okay, enjoy your pain. I wish you all the best. Like, because really, I can imagine my dad in the room when I'm keeping quiet, and I'm just saying, no, I'm an Hebrew woman. I would take it in. Like, my dad will literally want to slap me. Like, are you okay? Will you pay for it? Like, take this thing already. Like, let them give it to you if you need it. Like, it does not make any sense, honestly. We need to stop this thing, to be honest. Like, we need to stop it. Stop making people dictate things for you. If you if you are in pain and it's unbearable, ask for an epidural. It is normal. There is nothing attached to it. Stop stigmatizing yourself unnecessarily. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know why it's done or it's a thing to be honest, but it needs to stop. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that um, because we are, we're not a spiritual society, we're religious. Religious, yes, thank you. We're religious, we are not a spiritual society. Because when you're, if, uh-uh. if it's a spiritual thing, you understand that what is best and what is safe for me is also important to the well-being of my spirit. And so you will do that. Yeah. But with religion, it's all about rules and regulations and things I must not do because it looks this way or it looks that way. And these things come from the top. So because we are so religious, we have all these religious leaders in whatever religious sects, 
that also propagate these kind of things and they preach mm-hmm. it. And, it, and we lose women because of it. We lose babies because of it. Mothers die because of these things. Yeah. Mothers are at, at the point of, you know, it's an emergency and they're like, we need to do a cesarean section. It is an emergency. We need to do this. And they're refusing. And then we lose the mom and the baby because they've refused on these kind of things. And so it really is important that we start destigmatizing things that really should not be stigma. You know? Yeah, exactly. So Let's start changing the narrative yeah. of to change birth and yeah. exactly exactly and just in closing what advice would you give to people who are supporting someone who might have had the kind of experience that you had maybe the person is back home and you know they've had a traumatic childbirth they're having difficulty bonding with the baby they're stressed they're not sleeping what advice would you give to the people in that person's sphere of influence in terms of giving them the right kind of support to be honest, I would say just be patient. Mm. Like, because it's bad enough that the person that is being affected does not even understand what would actually help her mm. out of it. So you just need to be patient and be there. Like, if don't complain, just be there, just be patient. Like, just try and endure it. Mm. Your presence is enough. Your patience is enough. Your help is enough. But at the same time, it will look like the person is not appreciating it. But the person is appreciating, but just doesn't still understand. Like, person just needs to come to terms with everything that is going on. So that's, I would say, be patient and remain helpful, basically. But yes, don't stop being patient. Don't stop helping. Don't stop talking. Conversations help. Like, it's not about you just carrying the baby and leaving. Because when you leave the person affected to continue being in their thoughts, it's deepening the whole problem. And it's prolonging it. So making people talk like, okay, how are you feeling now? What is on your mind? Like things like that, they really help. They go a long way, to be honest. Yeah, I love that. I, I really love what you just said about taking the baby for leaving the mother. Mm-hmm. And we do that, don't we? Even when, even when we don't know that the mother is struggling, when we see a mom, we quickly be like, oh my God, the baby, the baby, the baby. <laughs> And, you know, and you know, us aunties, we come in and we want to hold the baby for the whole two hours. And you know, but we're not really. We're like, oh, oh, she's so cute. Oh, is she feeding? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll do all of this. And nobody's actually saying, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? You know, what can I help you with? Not just what can I help the baby with. What can I help you with? Yeah. You want to talk about anything? You know, how are your thoughts and those kind of things? Because also, like you said, interruption of the thoughts, that is so important because sometimes yes, next and painful thoughts are on a loop in our mind and then they just keep going and going and going and going. On an, exactly. And um, I'm trying to interrupt that as well with some positive memories or just an ability to ventilate what is on your mind mm-hmm. is so important. Thank you so much, Tosin, for coming on today's episode. It's been amazing having you on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Do share this podcast with two people who have not heard about us before. Remember that this podcast in no way replaces advice from your own doctor or physician. Do subscribe and follow us on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes so that others can access the amazing content. And do join the club at aslicehealth.club and drop us some suggestions or questions that you might have. 
Don't forget to be a health champion wherever you go by separating health fact from health fiction. Thank you.